Well, there, I turned right to it. It's on page 698. Jeremiah, uh, yeah, there you go. We, we, don't, we don't teach doctrine out of the Old Testament, but we do see a lot of examples of how the Lord works. He works the same. He has different covenants, but, but his goodness endures forever. So I want to lift up the Lord Jesus and, and thank him for making my life possible today. I should not be here. I should, be, I should have been gone 20, at 42, I should have been gone. So 30, 30 years ago, I should have been gone. I should have been leaving all sorts of tracks of, of grief and remorse. I mean, at least I think they would be. And, uh, but here I am. I'm alive and well. And I'm, I'm doing well. You're doing well. We're here. And it's his good hand on us. What about 2024? That's, that's what I want to talk about this morning. I talked to Brother Steve Sampson yesterday. And uh, yeah, I called him up and he was in South Carolina. And so he was on the veranda. And so I got, I, I had his ear. And so I asked him, what about 2024? And he had some things and I listened to him and I said, that's good. That's good. And that's good. But I, I also said, why, why is it waiting for 2024? My, my big question is, is if when people say, God's about to do something good. I always say, well, why didn't he do it yesterday? Why, why, is, why is he waiting for, what's he waiting on? Are y'all here? What, you got to ask these questions. Why, why is like, well, the Lord's going to do this and that. Well, why hadn't he already done it? If he could and he would, why hadn't he already done it? Y'all ever ask questions like that? Like, well, why, why is this going to be next week or next year or whatever? Now, I get the second coming. I, I get the rapture. I get all that. That's on a timetable. That's a moed. That's, that's set in time in the mind and heart of God. So we're not talking about that. We're just talking about when things happen, when people prophesy, well, you're fixing to have this and that happen. You're like, well, what's the factor that made it suddenly? Well, usually it factors us, isn't it? The Lord's at least as smart as what he said in his word. He waits till he finds good ground to plant his seed. Maybe he plants seed on the rocky ground, but we know the rocky ground doesn't produce. Maybe he plants seed on the thorny ground, but we know it doesn't. And the, the wayside seed, I mean the ground. So we, we only know about the good ground. We only know what, that when we get to be good ground, he can do something with us. So in 2023, the word of the Lord was what? You'll know what to do. Well, I'm telling you that didn't expire. Come on, y'all. 2023, you will know what to do. Well, just the fact that we said it, we quoted him. We agreed with heaven. I'll know what to do. Made it so. Now, why didn't he do it in 89? We needed to know. Well, you did know what to do in 89. But now you know better than ever. I know what to do. And just a confidence to agree with heaven. He said, I'll know what to do. So therefore, therefore, I know what to do. So here comes the trouble. Usually I'd say, man, we don't know what to do. But now we say, well, we know what to do. And, and sure enough, 
as we say, as we believe in our heart and say with our mouth, that's exactly how it happens. So knowing what to do is really become streaming wisdom. Streaming, that's my, I'm, I'm just 30 years behind, you know, every, everybody else. But I, we're, we're streaming wisdom to fulfill the plan of God. We're not based, we know enough now to say it's not based on my smart. We got some smart, we, we know how to navigate, but, but that's, that's not what sets us apart. Well, he's so smart that he, he'll be a gazillionaire. Or he's so smart, he'll start this company or that. We're not that smart because we, we withhold that and say, I'm waiting on the mind of Christ to speak to me. I'm, I'm waiting on that. So we're streaming wisdom. Is that right? We're not just saying, oh, Lord, I'm asking for wisdom. I don't need it. I, I may not need it tomorrow. No, you need it every minute. We, we need it all the time. So we need streaming wisdom. You'll know what to do is streaming wisdom. Can we all just say that together? I know what to do. You do. You just never do get to a spot or a place you go, this is too tough. No, it's just tough. But that's who we are is we unwind. We, we, we figure it out. Boy, we, we're in a good spot, y'all. We're in a good spot. As the world goes, there's no spot like your spot. Because they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. And we're looking at them saying, y'all are, are without. Y'all don't know what to do. But we know what to do. Isn't it funny how we know how to figure almost all of Washington's troubles without even knowing the ins or outs? And you go, well, why can't y'all see it? They, it's hidden from them. They don't know what to do. So I know what to do. In Jeremiah chapter 10, let's look in verse 12. It's just, you know the scripture, but uh, you ought to put a star by it if you didn't have one. It's speaking of the Lord. And so this is what I'm talking about. It's not doctrine, but it's, it points to his goodness. It points to who he is. He hath made the earth by his power. Number two, he hath established the world by his wisdom. Number three, he hath stretched out the heavens by his discretion. So his power, his wisdom, and his discretion have made everything. Well, guess who's made just like daddy? We got his power, we have his wisdom, we have his discretion. The word discretion means, I looked it up, and, and it's kind of a funny word, but it means intent or plan. So we, we've always said, confessed in our house, that wisdom and discretion watches over us. I thought it was the scripture, but it's not exactly that way in the word. But it is here. He hath made by his power, he has established by his wisdom, and he stretched out the heavens. In other words, he's on, a, he's on a roll. He didn't stop. He didn't say, well, creation's over. It's the end of the sixth day. It's still, it's still rolling out. It says here, he hath stretched out the heavens by his discretion. I can do that. But the first key to doing that is to know you can do that. I know what to do. So I, I, have, I have power. 
The word says he lays help on him who is mighty. Isn't that what it says in the Psalms? Well, who's mighty? Well, if you're born again, you're a child of God, you're a son or a daughter of God, you're mighty. That's pretty mighty. Like, who's mightier than you? Well, it's not angels. It's not the devil. It's not demons. It's, it's you. It's me. It's, it's us. We're mighty, and he hath laid help on us. I call on that scripture all the time. Lord, I need help. I can't get this done. It doesn't seem like. So uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 3. If you can slip out of that and go to Proverbs chapter 3. Yeah, Proverbs chapter 3. I'm deviating from my series. Because this... <laughs> What'd she say? <laughs> Maybe it's time to end that series. <laughs> ah, probably not. You're, you need to go to the office, fam. Okay. Back, back, meanwhile, back at the ranch. Verse 21 of chapter 3. My son, let them, let not them depart from thine eyes. So he, he's, he's, he's talking about wisdom. He goes all the way up there in verse 13. Findeth wisdom in the man that gets understanding. He said, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So he said, keep it so you'll know what to do. Wisdom and discretion. So there's a plan involved. The word discretion means intent or plan. It's an ongoing thing. It, it, it unfolds. It, un, it rolls out. Wisdom and discretion. And then verse 22, so shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. That's a good thing. So what, what does that mean? It just means be judicious in what you pay attention to. There's not enough time to do it all. You can't do the whole world thing and do the God thing. He said, choose the God thing. Well, you know, the world thing is a little more specific. It says take three teaspoons of that and, and get this antibiotic or, or whatever. But, but the Lord just says, well... Wisdom and, and wisdom and discretion. Let my plans unfold in your life. There's a plan for every one of us. We're all under the general plan. Of course, the word of God, it works the same. But you've got a specific plan. You, it's, it's not like, well, I'm just like everybody else. No, you're, you're, what does the word say? Wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Specific and unique. So he said, my son, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. That's a good word if you want to know what to do. If you want to know what to do, it'll jump up at you. Some, stuff, some stuff, you you see it coming. We're going to need another car or we're going to need a, a fence or whatever. Some stuff you, you can, and you can plan it out. But some stuff is like, got to know today. We've got to make a decision right now. Well, that's when wisdom and discretion, the ongoing plan. We're going to make a decision based on the plan for our life. Second Timothy. I got lots of scriptures, y'all, so just uh, hang, hang on. 
Hang on. She, she came back from the office. Second Timothy. I don't know if y'all know about me, but I take this very, very seriously when I stand up in front of you for an hour. I, I want to have heaven's word for us. Not just for you, but for me. I want to have heaven's word. I want to speak to the moment. I want to speak to the moment. I, there's a thousand things that all of the preachers can preach. It's not like, yeah, but I want to speak to the moment. And that means you got to find it. And so when he speaks to me, even through Steve Sampson, he just said, well, here's what I think. And he just rattled it off. And, and uh, I knew that I was stepping into something good. Second Timothy chapter three, you know this verse. Let's read it together. Verse one, ready, read. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Okay. So there's, there's a time, there's, a, there's, a, there's an intrusion into our lives that's not normal, that's not just like 1940, 1947, 1951. It's not like one of those. In the end days, it'll be different. Perilous times will come. So there's a factor, there's some sort of factor that's going to affect what used to be normal, what used to be regular, what used to be every day. He said, in the end times, perilous times will come. And then he, he goes through an exhaustive list there. And you can read those and you go, we are indeed in the, in the perilous times. Uh, the Amplified says, in the last days will come and set in perilous times, listen, of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. Let me read that again. That, that's significant. In the last days will come set in perilous times of great stress and trouble. I think we're going to have to know what to do. And it's going to be these great, these perilous times of great stress and trouble are going to be hard to deal with and hard to bear. So this isn't just handy. It's like, well, we're going to have wisdom and discretion because it'll be convenient. No, it's going to be life-saving. You'll lose your mind. You'll lose your kids. You'll lose, your, you'll, you'll lose everything if you don't know what to do. You've got to know what to do. It's not just like, well, what, what, the red car or the green car. It's not that. Perilous times have come, and we've got to know what to do. Wake up. It's getting away from you, Michael. Perilous times are hard to deal with and hard to bear. You may have made the wrong decisions because you thought, well, yeah, try flip a coin, my lucky coin or whatever. No. Hard to deal with and hard to bear. So there's this, this epic of time, this, this season of time. And we believe, because it says in the end times, that it has to do with the return of the Lord Jesus. It has to do with the rapture of the church. It has to do with the Antichrist and the tribulation. It's, a, it's an interruption. It's not like 1948 and, 19, and, and 1862 
where you just had wars and presidents and the economies, stuff that's just common to life. He said, it'll be different. It'll be, it'll be hard to deal with and hard to bear. Well, we hadn't been called to that. It's not like you'll have an abundant life except when perilous times comes. Then you're going to be like everybody else. Well, that's not, that's not how I read it. That's not how I understand abundant life. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Well, in perilous times, hard to, hard to bear with, hard, hard to deal with. I expect to be buoyed up with abundant life above whatever comes. But you got to set that. You got to, family, we have to set that. We have to know that's how it works. You, you'll, you'll miss the curve and you'll be hurting. You'll be stressed out. You'll be on the other end of it and you go, I should have done better. Let me backtrack. I've spent most of my life backtracking. I don't know about you, but when you make a mistake, you have to backtrack. You have to go back. It costs you money. It costs you time. It costs you reputation. When you miss it, when you just say, ah, oh, whatever, we'll just go this way. And you flippantly, without prayer, without the word, without counsel, without uh, agreement with your spouse, you just say, I'm going to make a decision. You just come home with a boat one day. You just come home with a boat and say, look what I found down at the boat place. And then the market crashes and you go, oh, that's a whoopsie. And I, I used an extreme example, but, but we've all been there in some example. But look what, look, this, this hard, to, hard to deal with and hard to bear. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, just let me read it to you. It says, God is able to make all grace. So there's one of those things that you go, well, God, if you're able to make all grace come towards you that ye having all sufficiency in all things may abound, may abound every work. What, where, where was this grace yesterday and last year and in 86 when I needed him and in and, and whatever, you know, where was this all grace? Where was this all grace He's able to make all grace abound. Why? Why is it suddenly he says, whoo, N15, G7, bingo. No, it's not that way. It's, it's like, God, there's a plan here. You're methodical. Well, why is there's all grace abound towards you that you having all sufficiency in all things that you may abound? Why, why couldn't I abound last year? If I can abound this year, how come I couldn't abound that? Well, I just found the scripture. Well, that, that shouldn't affect God. So what does affect him? It's me, how I'm reacting to the times. Romans chapter 5. Would you turn there, please? I'm, I'm weaving this in. Oh, yeah, it was seven o'clock last night and I didn't have any of this. And I called my good friend, Pastor West. <laughs> One hour and 57 minutes later. So I was up. I was up a little while putting this together. But on the other hand, it's like this stuff. It's him. So we just flow with him. Chapter five, verse 20. Now, look, 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 let's let's look at the big picture. We're not we're not studying doctrine this morning. Moreover, the law entered. Why did the law enter that the offense might abound? 
So before there was a law, there was no offenses, were there? You couldn't break the law if there was no law. Couldn't break the law because there was no law to break. So the law, when it came, it made what we were doing either lawful or unlawful. You were on one side or the other. But then he says, but where sin abounded. So when sin came, why, how did sin get in here? By the law. There was no sin until there was the law. Anyway, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So there was a, there was a reaction or a equalizer or a, uh, what, 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 a counterbalance. There was a counterbalance to sin and the law, and it was called grace. The Lord said, that came in. It had to come in because y'all messed up in the garden. So we had to put the law in there. But he said, I'll put a counterbalance to this sin. I'll bring grace. And so the force of grace came into the earth, came into the kingdom because sin was here. The wages of sin is adios. It's death. So he said, I'm bringing this counterbalance. Then in verse 21, he says, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so, to the same measure and degree, even so, might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Christ Jesus our Lord. So the counterbalance, the counterbalance to sin reigning, sin reigned, sin reigned. He said, I got a solution for that. I got a counterbalance to that. I'll, I'll meet sin, I'll meet death, and I'll meet it with grace through righteousness. Good job, Lord. You were just in time. The cavalry, the cavalry came over the hill. The cav cavalry, cavalry came over the hill just in time. Then it says in chapter 6, verse 1, because there was no chapters back then, what shall we then, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Why would anybody continue in sin? Because that's, that grace may abound. He said, the way to get grace here is to get sin to abound. And then, that, and then grace more abounds. He said, no, that's not how it works, is it? The counterbalance is there for when we mess up or when we, we fall short. So, Everything that's sinned against you and I as children of, of Almighty God has got a counterbalance. The Lord has a remedy, has a solution. By grace are you saved through, by, by faith, by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. What is the gift of God for? To take away the penalty of sin. It's the counterbalance. It's like I, the devil's got to move. Well, I got to move too. And if we'll cooperate with his moves, we'll always be on the high side. And so that's why we don't play much in the Old Testament, because it's got curses. If you do this, you're going to get that. This is going to happen if you do that. Well, that's not who we are. We've been counterbalanced by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. His blood has set us free. And so we're free. We're free indeed. So, uh. Back to chapter 3 in Timothy, it says, Perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. So what's the counterbalance to that? Perilous times of great stress and trouble, 
hard to deal with and hard to bear. That's the default. If you don't get under the counterbalance, if you don't get the, the equivocation to what the devils are bringing, what the end times are bringing, you're going under. You're going under. If you don't get above it, you're going under it. So what about 2024? When someone, anyone says, gets up and says, 2024, this is how they do it. 2024 will be the year for more. They used to say, I'm, Ned and Garland, y'all remember this. And they say, 2009, the year that's divine. Or that's fine. Or it's online. Or whatever they would say, you know, in 10, 2010, it'll be fun again. Or the, these people would stand up and they'd make, they'd make their whole message for the first of the year. They'd travel around the body of Christ and say, uh, you know, 2004. I don't know what they said for 15, but anyway, it's kind of hard to make orange. It's hard to, it's hard to rhyme with orange and silver. But the truth is, it's not. You go, okay, 2009, it'll be divine, it'll be fine. Well, why, why couldn't it be in 2008? Why did we have to wait for the rhyming year for it to be okay? What, why, what, what is this this? silly game that heaven's playing with us to say it'll be good again but you got to wait till 10. <laughs> we went through that. Do y'all remember going through that? Absolutely. We all went through that. And we fell in. We, we said because it's true. It's true. If you'll believe in 10 it'll be good again. It's coming. Because you agree with heaven. But it was always there. It didn't have to wait till in nine. It was going to be good again. In eight, it was going to be good again. It, it didn't have to wait till ten. Are y'all getting my point? My point. My point is, he's good all the time, and he's not waiting on the rhyming year. What, what do you do in, in in what do you do in Spanish when it comes that way? <laughs> ah, cinco, it'll be Dorinco or something like you know. What, what does that mean? God's got to work with everybody, doesn't he? Not just American or English. He's got to work with everybody. So we got to stop that. We got to stop that. We got to. There'll be more in 24. That's what they're saying. Something like that. Much more. It'll be in whatever. Okay. What is that doing? Well, that's just saying what's already there. It's already there. There's more in 24. Yes, there is. But not because of January 1. It's because Jesus went to the cross and purchased it all for us and took us with him. Came down off the cross and took us into the grave with him. And then rose again victorious over death, hell, and the grave with him. We've never been without him. Amen. So there's four things that I have that I believe, and I believe. I, I, I worked on these in my heart, but do what you will with them. It's just, it just describes the, the grace of God, the, the new covenant. It just describes who we are in him in a different way. It's not like oh, God's got something new for, for, for 24. No, he doesn't. 
But he is meeting perilous times, which are great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. There is a counterbalance to that. And we, we cannot just, when the wind blows, we get blown. No, we stand fast in the liberty whereby Jesus Christ has made us free. Having done all the stand, we stand there for. We, we, there's no wind, there's no time, there's no end time, no perilous time that's coming that's gonna, that will rock us at all. Like when COVID came, there's a lot of things you could do with it. And be it done unto you according to your faith. But no doubt if you were going to outlast COVID, if you were going to either, either not have it or have it and just get through it, you had to take a stand. Because taking no stand meant, oh, Billy's coming. Y'all remember that? There are still people talking about the effects of COVID on the church. There's still people to say, well, since COVID, we hadn't got back to that yet. Like, oh, my word. Perilous times have come to you and you, you fell for all of them. Oh, my. The kingdom of heaven is really powerful and good, except when perilous times come. And then it wilts like a flower. What about 2024? I say you still know what to do. I say we still know what to do. We, we give up nothing. Once we get it, we give up nothing. The other thing that's really powerful is that there's plenty more where that came from. Don't ever forget that. Every time you give, extend yourself and say, this does not diminish me because there's plenty more where this came from. Well, where'd this come from? Well, you either earned it or you... You drew it out of, out of your bank account, whatever, however you get money and you give out of that deposit, that's that. However you give money, you need to say, because it's good for your head. There's plenty more where this came from. This isn't the end of anything. This is the beginning. I have just pulled the trigger and this thing is blowing up everything that's against me. So one thing that was said is there was be grace to go deeper and to go farther faster. That's that's not what was said, but that's what I say. Grace to go deeper. Y'all want to go deeper? Well, there's a grace to go deeper. Why? Why is there a grace to go deeper? Because perilous times have come. What's the antidote? Well, we're just going to brace up and see if we can make it through it. No, we're. We're going to take hold of the same grace, all grace abound towards you that you having all sufficiency in all things, you may abound every good work. There's graces, there's graces, there's impartations, the gifts of the spirit, the, the nine gifts of the spirit, they're graces, they're manifestations, they're, they're the visible attribute, they're the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. That's what he looks like when he demonstrates his goodness, prophecy, gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Uh, uh, gifts of healings, working of miracles, prophecy, uh, discerning of spirits, what, those things, that's what he looks like. That's not all he looks like. He looks like more than the nine things. If you think that's all there is, well, you'd be, but those things are for sure. So his grace looks like whatever you need. 
that's how the gifts of the Spirit work. The manifestation of the Spirit is not like, well, I, I have the gift of discernment or I have the gift of interpretation. No, you don't. You've just yielded yourself to that manifestation and you believe you receive or you believe that if you yield to it, it'll happen and it will. The same way that man that went through the 50s or what, 60s, whatever, and he, he would punch, he, he'd punch people in the stomach and say, be healed. And you go, where's that in the word? But he believed it and people got healed. That's why they stood in the line and said, I'm fixing to take it. Smith Wigglesworth did that. He believed some things that if he did them, they would work. And it's according to your faith. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. And well, he did. And Smith was powerful. Everybody says, I'd like to be like Smith. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You could. You can sell out. I can sell out. I can, I can give myself up to the things of the Spirit and discipline my life and cut myself off from everything that's a distraction. You can too. The, the kingdom principle is you can go as fast as you want to. Well, I'm just on God's timetable. No, you're not. You can go as fast as you want to. The word says if you get married, you're not going as fast as you could, but it's as fast as you want to. Getting married is, is kind of like putting the brakes on some stuff. Did I? Is that right? The word says it'd be better if you didn't. But if you have to, go ahead. Do the best you can. And we all got married. Have a nice day. <laughs> so that's, that's how that works. So if you don't want to study day and night, that's fine. But you can go faster if you do. If you don't want to associate and drive to meetings, when we first got the Holy Ghost, we'd drive to Abilene, we'd drive to Amarillo, we'd drive to, to uh, Clovis, we'd drive everywhere and get in a meeting because we wanted to go faster. You go to church all the time. That's how you go faster here. We have a men's meeting. All the men say, we're in. Well, how come? Because they want to go faster. And you can. It's the, it's, it, it'll amp you up. It'll get you going. So number one is grace to go deeper. There's a grace to go deeper. You go, well, why didn't God bring it last year? Well, we're in perilous times. He did bring it last year. He brought it 10 years ago. We've been in perilous times for a while. Y'all, we've been in perilous times. The Antichrist was in the, he was in the book of John, 1 John. It talks about the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist. He's been here since Jesus left. So it's not like, well, the Antichrist is getting ready to come. No, he's been here. He's just not revealed. So you, you gotta, you can't say, well, I'm gonna wait and down the road and I'm gonna get ready for the, the bad things that are coming, they're already here. Wake up. Michael, wake up. It's time to, it's time to giddy up. The scripture I got was in Ezekiel verse 40, uh, chapter 47. Let me just read it. I've got to be able to find Ezekiel, though. 
There it is. It's in there. It's in there. They said it might not be, but it's in there. 47. Look what it says in Ezekiel 47. Afterwards, he brought me again into the door of the house. And behold, waters, you know the scripture, issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under the right side of the house and at the south side of the altar. Whatever. Then brought me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without into the outer gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. So this is an Old Testament picture. He stuck it in the Old Testament, but it, it can relate to the principle. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits. And he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Well, how many of y'all know he could have stopped there? He could have stopped there. Go as far as you want to. Go as fast as you want to. And again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters and the waters were to the knees. Is, is this talking about water in your legs? Not at all. Again, he measured a thousand, brought me through the waters. They were to the loins. Afterward, he measured a thousand. It was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. So what are the limits? It's, it's not what we're having and seeing now. The limits are out there. We may be in ankle deep water. Well, praise God. Maybe, maybe we're in knee deep. Double praise God. But how far do you want to go? Well, we've tapped out all there is. No, we haven't. There's a river that can't be passed except in the spirit. Do you want it? I do. But there's a price to be paid. There's a price of prayer to be paid. There's a price of the word to be paid. There's a price of faithfulness to be paid. There's a price of giving to be paid. Well, what's got money got to do with it? You just can't be separated from your money. And so if you don't, if you don't release your money, there's part of you that's still left back there. It's not money. My, God does not care about your money, except it's attached to your heart. And he's after a heart. So, so there's grace to go deeper. That's what he's saying. There's grace to go deeper. I want to go deeper. Y'all want to go deeper? If we went all over the house and said, what do you want to do with your life? You'd say, I want to go deeper. But there's the second verse to that song that says, how do you go deeper? Oh, there's a price. There's a price. You paid a price to get here. You're paying a price to stay here. Is that right? Are y'all here? Help me just a little bit if you can. I, I, I want to get out before two. Hallelujah. So we got a witness. You go, I don't like to witness. Sure you do. Sure you do. It's your testimony. Find your testimony. You have a testimony that's not like anybody else's. You got to find your testimony. You go, well, I need one that, that I was a drug dealer and I, you know, and I went into jail 17 years and and you know, I, no, we don't need that testimony that people got it and that'll work for where they go. We need to test. My testimony is I was a good boy all my life. I have never been in trouble. 
I was afraid to disappoint my parents. How, how weird is that? And if they told me what displeased them, I just never crossed that line. And so you go, well, where's the testimony in that? I served Jesus through it because lots of people were good boys and they didn't make it. So that's my testimony. I have other testimonies, but that's 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 me. That's who I am. You have a testimony. So you want to go further? Well, ankles is all I want. If someone just says, tell me about Jesus and they start pulling on your coat and saying, please tell me about Jesus. Well, that's ankle. You can tell them about Jesus. But what if they're just over there minding their own business? And Holy Ghost says, they need Jesus. They need me. Oh, that's my, that might be knees and, and loin. That might be more. No, nobody's sending you a letter saying, one through four, this is, this, is, this is how God, this is how heaven expects you to act. You got to get it all out of here but you got to get it all out of here. You got to have a thing that says, I want to please him. We're all about lordship here, which is just about pleasing him. Lordship. Well, can I get away with this? Boy, that's the, that's the craziest question you can ask. Lordship says, if you have to ask, you've already crossed the line. Worship. You need... We need to all go deeper in worship. You go, well, that's the church's job. No, that is not the church's job to lead you or to give you a format or give you a framework to worship. You can do anything you want in this house. During worship or during just, just right now, just get up and run around the room. Holler like a banshee. We, we, we will we'll holler with you. If it's worship, we'll holler even louder. But you gotta, you, you got to worship at home. If you don't worship at home, there's no way you can come and complain about the church saying, they don't worship like I want to worship. Well, what have you done at home? What have you done at home? Have, have, you, have you got drunk in the Holy Ghost at 10 o'clock in the morning with nobody around? That happens. But you got to say, I want it, and I don't care who knows it, and I'm not telling anybody. Then when you come to church, then you act like a drunk, and we all get drunk, or whatever. You get the point. The point I'm not making the point very well, but I think you can get the point. That you can go as fast and as far as you want to, but you can go deep in 24. You can go deep in 24. There's a framework here at River Church where you can go deep. You can be in valor. You can be in virtue. You can be in river teams. You should. You should. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. We ought to pray more. We, we're, not, we're not praying. We're not, able to get the, we're not able to access the plan for the church or for you based on our present prayer format. Would y'all agree with that? That that uh, oh, well, we pray more than somebody. That doesn't mean anything. We ought to pray. I don't. I'll tell you the truth. Debbie carried this church in prayer. She knew how to pray, and it was all she wanted. She told me. She said, if I could do anything every day, every day, every day, I'd get me somebody, a woman, and I'd go off and I'd pray 
all morning long. She said, that would be the best day I could have. Well, she's not here. I wish I'd have taken notes. <laughs> anyway, number two. Number one is grace to go deeper. Number two is breakthroughs attached to lordship. Why, why would God give you a breakthrough this year and he wouldn't give you one last year? That's my question. That, I think that's honest. Why, why is it like, well, okay, the, the clock ticked and the calendar turned. Now you can have a breakthrough. Well, what about last year when we didn't have anything? And when we were going through this and when no Billy was coming at us and the devil was eating us up, why couldn't we have a breakthrough then? Oh, you weren't looking for a breakthrough. You were just toughing it out because breakthrough was always there. Come on, y'all. Breakthrough was always there. Well, God knows where I am, and if he wants me to have breakthrough, he, he can find me. Breakthrough is Acts 2.2. 2. And suddenly, excuse me, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. That's breakthrough. They were doing their thing, and suddenly... They had breakthrough. Y'all, I'm up here. So we can have breakthrough. You go, well, that was, that was ordained. That was the upper room. That was whatever. He's got a whole bunch of upper room things. He's talking. He's talking and telling you, take off this afternoon and just go hide out somewhere. And pray out some things I have for you. That's what he's been saying to you. I didn't hear it. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I'm just the first one to acknowledge it for you. And we need breakthrough. You go, well, breakthrough. Doesn't that mean just God sovereignly just shows up and breaks through? He does it all the time and nobody ever says, God just gave me a breakthrough. They think it's life. They think it's just like, well, that's what happened. Praise the Lord. Like I had a little testimony here. No, it was a breakthrough. It changed everything. This is better than it's coming out. And it says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Suddenly. A breakthrough is a suddenly. Y'all ready for a suddenly? Yes. Running around the room on Sunday morning gives you breakthrough. But it's not the only thing. It may not, you may have run and really just wanted to run. Whatever. Number three, doors of opportunity opened. I put seen and seized. We all know of doors of opportunity, but you got to see them. And that's part of, you know what, you know what to do. The Lord is showing stuff better than you're, than both of us, all of us are acknowledging. We think, isn't that interesting how that happened? That was your break. That was your, that was your door of opportunity. I can tell you every single person in this room has had doors of opportunity open. And if you look, if you just say, I'm waiting on it. I'm waiting on the door. I'm looking. I'm going to see it so I can seize it. I can tell you next week we'll have testimonies like popcorn.
because they're there. They're already there. Well, why didn't God give us doors last year? He did. But now we're looking for them. Number four. Oh, the, the, well, the scripture for doors of opportunity is Proverbs 13, 22. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. I'm telling you, I'm looking for my wealth of the sinner. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for a transaction. I'm looking for a, uh, a transfer. And when it comes, it's like, I knew a man one time that went to a man. It didn't work out, but he went to a man. This is bold. He said, I think the Lord's telling you to give me your house. Yeah. We all went, <gasps> the man disagreed and didn't move out. But we said, you know, even if he was wrong, doesn't mean he was wrong. Could be the man just wouldn't. But God gave him lots of things, the scenarios here. But the fact is, he just went up to him and said, I know you don't know me. I'm a minister. I believe the Lord's telling me that he's told you to give me your house. It's like, but I could do that. Could you do that? Well, do something different. Do something less. Just walk up to somebody in Walmart and say, I believe the Lord's telling me that you need healing. And I'm here. I need you to run down the aisle with me in Walmart with your little basket and your tomatoes and your okra. Wow. I don't know. I'm just making it up, but I'm just saying. This thing is way more spiritual than we've made it, but it's way more practical than we've made it. It's like, wait for the cloud. Wait for the glow. Wait for the glitter. Wait for the fog. That, that's not really how he does it anymore. Number four, inspired spiritual engagements. I believe in 2024, we're going to have inspired spiritual engagements. You know what that means? Let me tell you what it means. It means having church everywhere. Everywhere you go, you go. I'm fixing to go in this store. Wonder who we're going to have church with. I wear my little button. I wear it all the time. Jesus is coming. It doesn't even say soon. It just says Jesus is coming. Look busy. And I catch him looking down, looking at my shirt. Because short as I am, you got to look down. You know, all the, all the people I'm around are, are, you know. And so they look down. But I didn't see that. I don't want to talk about that. Acts 2.46 says, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house. How about that? Did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily as such as should be saved. Ah, let's not leave this earth, y'all. Let's not leave this earth without having done something bodacious. Something we can go to heaven and say... I know what Peter did. I know, I know what Paul did, but you ought to hear what I did. Because who's Paul and who's Peter? They were just the early, they were the early us. We would be, we would be apostles now. Should be. Well, who do you think you are? Who do you think we are? Who do you think this is? 
we're them. We just don't get the title. But Acts 28 says there's lots more going on after this. Stay tuned. And we are the stay tuned. We are the church. You go, I don't like any of this. I don't like this, this stuff here. Well, just buckle up your belt and hold on. We'll get through it. But if just a few of us say, that sparked me and I'm going to go forward. Hebrews 12, 27, it says, listen to this word, because there's accountability. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken. Y'all remember this in Hebrews? As of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. He said, he said, in the end times, perilous times will come. He said, in the end times where sin comes, grace will abound. He said, he said, there's going to be suddenlies. He said, there's going to be spontaneous church engagements. But he also said, we're going to be shaking everything. Because you can't go down the road with all the junk that's been attached to all of our lives. Now, most of us have shaken off most of it. I know I have. I know you have. It's like I used to do this. I used to smoke and chew and go with those girls that do. <laughs> no, we don't do that. We got rid of, we, we don't do that. That's not us anymore. But still, that which can be shaken is being, has been shaken. And we don't like it. But on the other hand, we can't wait because it's bastards. It's bastards. It's illegitimate children that can't be chastened. And we're just not those people. We're saying, bring the word, Lord, bring the word, bring the word. I want the truth because why? The truth sets me free and I'm tired of being bound. I'm tired of being tied up. I'm tired of my money not working. I'm tired of my body saying I'm not going to be healed. I resist that. You can just uh, buy a stripe. You were healed all you want. I'm not doing that. The body might say. And so we're 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 saying, Lord, teach me about that. What's going on? I'll share this because I got it this morning, but I never said, you're not going to share that, are you? Ah. <laughs> but, but concerning men, you know, men, and that's half the world. And uh, men, men want, men want their families to follow them. They they bring the vision in the house. This is where we're going to live, this town. This is the job we're going to have. And they work it out together. But basically, he, he gets to how his children are raised. No, we're not going there. We are going here. There's a certain amount of that. I'm not talking about control. I'm not talking about being a meanie. I'm just talking about he's the cornerstone of the house. And he, he, he goes to work and he likes his employees to do what he says. If he has employees, if he has people under him and he expects it to. But then when we come to church or when we come to the kingdom. And I'm not this house, but I'm talking about other houses that I've been dealing with concerning men's things. Well, I have to get back to you on that. The pastor has asked him, would y'all go? We're, we need to, we need to go to Millport or we need to go to Tuscaloosa. And they're going, well, well. I've got, I've got a little thing here and I've got a little thing there and I don't, and so I don't know. So they don't follow their pastor. 
And maybe their pastor's no good. Maybe he's inconsistent. Maybe he doesn't, he doesn't do right. Maybe you ought to get a new pastor. That's the part I wasn't supposed to tell you. But it's like when you're in divine order, when you're in div divine order, everything is a blessing as it fits. In other words, we like, we like it to fit going down. My wife, my children, my job, my, my Boy Scout troop. We're going to camp over here. Well, we don't. The little boys say, we don't want to camp over there. Well, we're going to camp over here. I'm the boss. I'm in charge. I'm in divine order. But then when we come to church, it's like, this is a volunteer organization. We don't have to do what you say. Well, you're right. You don't. And I don't command. I, and I shouldn't command. And I don't command. And I'm not trying to command. I'm not even saying we should command. I'm just saying maybe it would go good for all of us if we, if we didn't consider so much how it would feel or how I'll have to wait. I, I listened to this for a big part of my life. We'll have to wait until we see how we feel that day or the day before. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have shared that. But that's, that's, that's kingdom. It works. Every realm works off of this. Now listen to this in Jeremiah 8, 7. Don't go there because by the time you find it, or by the time I found it. Yea, the stork in heaven knoweth her appointed times. And the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. He's telling us the turtle's got it more together and the stork's got it more together than the church does. It's like, oh, that's not good. Because we know what to do. Say it with me. I know what to do. Better. I know what to do. So we're not like the turtle. We're, we're better than the turtle and the stork and the crane. The New Living says, even the stork that flies across the sky knows the time of her migration. As do the turtle dove, the swallow and the crane. They all return at the proper time each year. But not my people. They do not know the Lord's laws. Well, that's not us. But we need to be sure we know that we always are, we're always going to end up on that side that we know what to do. Y'all know this scripture, and I will quit with this. But I, I will ask us all, myself included, are we praying all that we think we should? Are we, do we think we're praying enough to get the job done? Do we think that our prayer and the results of our prayers that's all there is. Well, I'd pray more if there was more, but, but what I'm getting is all there is. So that's why I'm only praying this much is because that's all there is. What, what if there was more? What if we could get more out of prayer than what we're getting? We'd say that if you want to know what to do, there's a grace to say, but I, there's a grace to pray so you'll know what to do. Maybe we don't know what to do because we don't want to pray. We don't want to go further faster. So I, I want to pray more. Pastor West stirred me up last night. I mean, surely he said something in an hour and 57 minutes. 
And he said, he said, I'm going to pray more. And I said, I want to pray more, too. It was in me already. And it's already in you. We all want to pray more. We just don't know how. We don't know when. We don't know. So we should just pray in the Holy Ghost more. Y'all, we need to pray in the Holy Ghost. If you want better, if you want to know what to do, pray in the Holy Ghost. Not just at church, not just at pray in the Holy Ghost. Turn off KBTZLR. Turn it off. Turn off the Christian radio. <gasps> Blasphemy. Turn it off and just say, I'm going to start praying in the Holy Ghost. Ten minutes. Ten minutes will run you. If you're not used to praying, ten minutes is like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, but it'll help. Then you can go 11. It's like walking. It's like going to the gym. It's like running. You, you got to do something before you get there. Jeremiah 12. But the Lord rebukes Jeremiah's impatience, saying, now you know this verse. If you have run with men on foot and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? I think we all want to compete with the horses. Do y'all want the best in the kingdom? I mean, I think we've, we've wetted our whistle, so to speak. We've, we've said, I, I want more in the kingdom. I want to experience more. I want a move of God in my life. Y'all want a move of God in your life? We all want a move of God in our life. And part of it's at church, part of it's at home. So, so I'm committing to saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out what it is at church that would help us have a move of God. But you got to say, I'm going to go home and change. I'm going to pray. Well, how much? Well, don't, don't overcommit. Don't say, we're going to pray two hours tomorrow. You won't pray 20 minutes because it's exhausting when you first start out. It's like anything else. You have to acclimate. But we could do that. You, we could read the word more. I just trust, I just trust that everybody in here has got a Bible reading plan. I just trust that nobody's just sitting around saying, not me. I go to church. He said, if you have raced with men on foot and they have tired you, then how you can compete with horses? So he's talking about the spiritual realm. Let's go into the spirit realm. We, we need to possess a new property. But really, as a church, we hadn't prayed that out together. And so we don't know, but we should know and we can know what to do. Amen. Are you all OK? Well, you know, the Lord's not mad at us. He's not mad at us. He's just provoking us to love and good works. He's just saying you can have more. We, we all want to know we can have more. We all want to know it's not the end. Religion says that's it. That's all there is. That's all there is. Don't be asking for nothing else. But that's not what the Lord's saying. He's saying, how much do you want? I'll dip you a double portion. I'll get you a big piece out. Amen. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you that you have been so patient with us, all of us. You've been patient with me. You've been patient with all of us. Lord, you've just been very patient, long-suffering, and we're grateful. 
but we know there's more. And so every one of us in this house, we're committing to stepping up in 2024 to the more. The more opportunity, the more grace, the more witnessing, just the more. Lord, it's just we're going to tune our tuner into you more than we have in the past. Thank you, Lord, for 2024 being the best year we've ever had. It is my good year. And we thank you, Lord, that good suddenlies and good are coming into our hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen.